0: Thank you for tuning in to the Apostolic Pentecostal Church podcast. You are currently listening to one of our iGrow series lessons. If you're in the Bloomington, Illinois area and want to sit in person, feel free to join us Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for Worship in the Word. Can't make it in person? No big deal. Find us on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram and search Apostolic Pentecostal Church. Either way, we'd love to fellowship and worship with you. We hope to see you. Hey, In case you don't know who I'm talking about, um, I'm talking about the life of Mary. And Mary is very fascinating. She's very fascinating to study um, because she's a lot, it's the life of an ordinary woman a young girl who um, is now is well known throughout history. Um, so much so that the, that there are religions that worship um, her for what God did in her life. She's one that we all love, have read about. It's a testimony that we're getting ready to acknowledge this Christmas season. It's December first, um, and if if you have your Advent calendars ready, that's that's happening. We're getting ready to focus on the Nativity story. Um, and one thing that I know our family I really had enjoyed when uh, I got married to Philip and I witnessed what they do for Christmas is they read the nativity story they read in the book of Luke um, and uh, it helps set the tone for Christmas Day and to remember what happened you know and how it all came to be and why we get to celebrate that so um, before I go into it any further I mean it's you no know, if you know me and you know where I've come from so no news to you that I used to be um, a woman, a young girl, who honored Mary in a way that you probably didn't. <laughs> um, uh, before I was baptized in Jesus' name and received the Holy Ghost, I believed Mary to be a woman to be adored and worshipped for being the chosen one for her immaculate conception. You know, handpicked, just handpicked from God to deliver Jesus into the world, because of her mercy and humility, that during Jesus' ascension into heaven, he took his mother with him forever, and that today she is the mother of the church as St. Mary, as a refuge and advocate for sinners. I idolized her and prayed to her to intercede on my behalf, um, because she was a saint for the sinners and a saint for those that didn't walk right. And I believe that that's what I needed to do. So, so much so that I wore a little pendant and a on my neck. And I was proud of it. <laughs> but, you know, the Lord has been so good to me. And it's interesting that I'm the one to give this lesson today. Because since then I've opened the Word, I've opened my Bible. And hopefully everyone in this room has too, so you can debunk everything I just said. <laughs> everything I just said is not quite uh, scriptural-based. Um, and, you know, God was probably in the heavens saying, oh my goodness, this girl, she loves me so much, she's worshiping, she's idolizing something I don't want her to. And I'm so thankful that he, is, he wrote my story and continues to write it and has walked me into his marvelous life. He's walked me into his way of truth, the, the truth and the light. And Mary may not be one that I adore or worship at this point, but she is definitely still a person who God chose to use and uh, to carry out his work and we can study her life and characteristic and learn from it. So I don't think everything was wrong, was gone wrong for me, but, um, I just I'm so thankful for that. And today I hope that what I have to share is something that you can take with you and apply it on into your own into your own life because it's something that I I have been actually in my own walk have been uh, convicted of as well. So a few years ago, um, one of the things I sorry I skipped in my notes. One of the things I wanted to talk about was um, how. This story speaks to us in our lives and how she responds to the, situ- to the situations that occurred in her life. Um, and a few years ago in Bible quizzing, so just taking you through what, what happened there, there was a debate between the words replied and respond. Um, We're not going to go into the debate because we could be here all day and I have the one that went into that debate and I sat and watched it (laughs) unfold before me. Um, But long story short, uh, did you know that a response can be both a reply, verbal, a verbal reply, and a a reaction, a nonverbal communication? Did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that until they started debating about it. And then that like triggered my mind into thinking, oh my goodness, I've been using this word completely wrong. So a response can be nonverbal and verbal communication. There you have it. You learned something new. So at least I did. And why do I want to call that out? Because when uh, we study the responses of Mary, we find that the life of a woman who didn't allow the drastic change of her present circumstances govern her response. Instead, she remained extraordinarily faithful through every situation and trial by allowing God to be the writer of her story, which we have the privilege to read today. These nonverbal and verbal cues are interactions we pick up and learn from. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John all had their points, uh, their point of views and how the stories occurred and what they saw. Mary isn't in the Bible because she was such an important person. She is mentioned because she was used by God to carry out his mission. So, she is mentioned because God uses her to carry out his great plan. And through those responses, and, you know, we're going to glean a little bit about who she was as a person, a wife, a mother, a cousin, a friend, and a servant of God. So, Taking uh, taking her story a little bit and getting into what of who she was, um, Mary was a young betrothed woman uh, between the ages of 12 and 14 years of age. Uh, she was young and probably ready to live her womanhood because that's what happens in the Jewish culture. You know, around those ages, the boys and the girls become of age and they begin to um, live out their purpose of being a woman or a man. And in this case, Mary was just excited because she was betrothed. She was getting ready to celebrate a marriage that had just, that she had just agreed to with Joseph. Um, and if you don't fully understand what that means in Jewish culture, I highly encourage you to listen to Jessica's, uh, Jessica's message on the Bride of Christ out on the podcast, shameless plug. <laughs> yes. Um, that and what I really liked about her lesson was that she goes into a little bit a little bit more of the detail of what that betrothal process is like for um, these Jewish with these Jewish ladies and the men that were involved in that so go out there and listen to it so I'm not going to get too into the into the weeds with that but after the betrothal process these young Jewish women begin to specialize in their Jewish household household duties you're no longer part of the kids table so you're not asked to go sit with kids you're asked to come with the women or the men depending on the gender that you were so you're joining the womanhood club and at least for Mary, she is and uh, just here's a little bit of a background of what living in Nazareth is like so if, if we I had a map but I don't have one up here so Nazareth is in Galilee so Nazareth is the city of Galilee and it's tiny it's approximately, they say, about 400 people in population. Um, and it's almost, it's about 12 miles from the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the people there were physically robust, strong-minded, practical, respectful of tradition, and loyal to family. It was a conservative town. And clinging to traditional Jewish culture in a world that had been radically affected by Greek thought and culture. It's the only reason... <laughs> Nazareth is famous is because of Jesus. <coughs> it's the only reason we know about Nazareth. And to understand that, that that Greek culture was starting to influence everything around them. This little bitty town stayed conservative. It's very interesting. And this town being small, a little village, I come from a little village of, of the little village of Henderson, I say. Um, it they, it, it, it just was just a bunch of country folks. <laughs> it was um there's a scripture can no good thing come from nazareth you know these sophisticated jews and pharisees spoke of the city like it was beneath them spoke of it like it didn't have any importance um and it was a place of peasant farmers and shepherds so not a whole lot going on in nazareth um and mary had to learn to be a homemaker so she probably was up to this point, just being a child, you know, learning Jewish way, learning Jewish uh, scriptures, learning how to be uh, how, just a student of the Word through her parents. Um, but we know that the women, they had roles. They had a role in uh, the Jewish life, uh, in teaching and being in their home. Um, the home was the center of the Jewish religion. They didn't go to church to, to just... They, went, they didn't go to church to learn about that. They went to church to be in fellowship with the same community of those that know and love the Lord. They their their religion, their their doctrination happened in the house. There was no, no it's it's weird that today culture is kind of different. Culture is, oh, you go out to the school and learn. We just come home and be, I guess. <laughs> um, so, you, so like, or you, we go to church, and we, we get, we receive scripture, we receive now, it's a little different, things have shifted, but um, overall, that was how it worked for them. And uh, the women were regarded, uh, they regarded their home as their kingdom. It was, they reigned in that home. The fathers, they went out and they they worked outside of the home, the mother was the home. One um, of some of the things where they spin and wove clothes, uh, they weaved clothing, I think, is that the past tense? Um, so they made the family's clothing. Uh, they made and sold uh, clothing, too. So they designed suitable clothing for the members of their home. Uh, they gave religious instructions. So they were the teacher. They were the teacher of the home. Um, they gathered food and assembled a variety of, of a healthy diet. They administered the finances of the family um, to see the family business. They performed charitable work and cared for the poor. Over, they oversee the emotional and physical well-being of their members. Um, they're there, they're always available if needed, um, whenever needed. And most importantly, this, the woman's greatest achievement was to give birth. That was their achievement. And their second greatest achievement was to raise a child who believed and trusted in God to, to respect the tradition and lived a good life. So this is what Mary was, being, was about to walk into. She was, this was where her mind was when the angel came, and when, we're going to read into that in a little bit. But when we look into scriptures, her life is mentioned in four Gospels, in the four Gospels of the New Testament, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts. So if you didn't know that, now you know. That's, these are the locations that she is mentioned. Um, and there are not many accounts in which she is mentioned by name, so by her name being Mary. Um, but depending on the writer, they would mention her as the mother of Jesus. John, you could see his love uh, for that family, and he mentions her as the mother of Jesus. Or you could you could see writers like uh, Matthew mention her like his mother, just his mother. And um, that's okay. And when we sit down and meditate and reflect on Mary and who Mary was and how she responded to these situations that she was about to face, we can start to find some commonalities some similarities of who she was. She was an ordinary woman. She was like you and I. She was young, and we are all young at heart. And she she, um, was about to watch God's greatest work in her life. She was going to live through that. And, we, get, and we, have the, we have now the ability to read about it. So uh, Matthew, Mark, and John do not record Mary's encounter with the angels. So in case you go looking for it, it's not there. I tried. So let's skip over to the book of Luke. Luke has chosen to write in the order in which the events occurred. So during, um, during his part of, the, of his gospel, you can see that he starts off with Zacharias, Elizabeth, and John the Baptist. But we're going to skip over that real quick because I want to get to Mary's response because it's really easy to go down a rabbit hole when you're reading about Mary and then you start reading about somebody else and you're like, oh, but what happened? And then, yeah, trust me, I've done that. So here we see her life was forever changed. And let's just go ahead and read these verses a lot. Of- Who wants to read?
1: Go, Sister Ellen. Now in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, the angel said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly perplexed at what he said and kept carefully considering what kind of greeting this was.
0: Okay quickly,
1: pause, go back, quickly,
0: (laughs) bam, we see a whole lot jam-packed in these two verses. Okay, first of all, we see a dramatic, drastic, crazy, kaboom interruption of her change of plans, right? And then... We see, you know, we, we forget about her being so ordinary because this has become so common. Such a common story to read. We, but we forget exactly where she, what what was going on, where she was headed in her life. And uh, because uh, we sometimes forget that these people are ordinary and just living one day at a time, we see that we can overlook the simple things. And we See the angel We're going to go ahead and read the angel's response It says, greetings favored one The Lord is with you Okay, so imagine All of a sudden there's a sighting of an angel In your room An angelic being coming into Your bedroom one night with a joyous greeting Now, we, we have to Remember, let's not forget that Mary Is a Jewish woman who follows Jewish customs Who has heard the stories of the prophets And who probably knows that there hasn't Been a prophet in a very long time So, think about that. So, not only are you trying to figure out what this mystic being is, but you're also like, wait, what is he speaking to me? Why is he, you know, we haven't heard of anything up to this point. 400 years of silence, right? It's quite the big deal, and her face must have said it all, right? Because we don't have a verbal response. We have a nonverbal response. And she's she's reacting with her look but not with, not but there are no words spoken she takes a moment so here we are this is what she's doing she she must have taken a moment a pause and she probably is listening so let's read but she careful but she was greatly perplexed at what she what he said and kept carefully considering what kind of greeting this was the angel obviously sees her reaction and begins to reassure her by speaking do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Isn't that like God to reassure us that everything will be okay? Yeah. You know, God, he is just so good to us. And he has given her, hes you know, the angel of the Lord sees it and, you know, she's like probably hiding and <laughs> shivering and shaking and quaking and at the same time not responding um, and probably has taken this moment to kind of gather herself up, and she hears, do not be afraid. And she continues to listen to the angel and receive God's reassurance as the angel continues to speak. So who wants to read from 31 down? No?
1: That's okay. Sure, go ahead. Listen carefully. You will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and eminent he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, Israel, forever, and his and of his kingdom there shall be no end.
0: Thank you. And the very first words recorded of Mary, here we are. These are the very first words we see. So we've seen her take a pause, we've seen her listen. Now we see her response, her actual verbal response. How will this be since I am a virgin and have no intimacy with any man? She is engaging by speaking out loud. So she's not thinking these thoughts, she is speaking them out loud to the Lord. She's not only thinking it, but as I already said that, she's speaking it out loud. She, it is okay. This, I, I really meditated on this part, and I, I have to think she struggled a little bit with this. I, I, you know, it, we struggle with with accepting some of, you know, what God is speaking into our lives, and it's okay to struggle with understanding of God's promise. I find I struggle understanding the promises of God in my life. It's in our human nature, but how wonderful that God favored her and empowered her with housing Jesus inside of her, and how powerful that we have the same energy we connect with with him through the holy ghost and we can rest assured that his promises are true and will be fulfilled to bring him all the glory so she was filled she's and we're going to see that like you know even in our own struggle we can always go to god and say and be honest and say lord how will this be how is this going to and as she's listening, her mind is probably racing with the same thoughts we're probably, we would be racing. She's, you know, we would be thinking. Young, 12 years old, 12, 14 years old, currently trying to plan your wedding. sent Wedding invitations. Now how am I going to tell everybody not to come? Um, paying every detail, every deposit. Oh my lord, I lost my deposit. How am <laughs> I going to make that money back? You know? And then, and then, and then my neighbors, what are they going to think? Ooh, you know, what are am just like a person that likes to go out and do things that we're not supposed to do. And on top of that, there's a floating figure in my head. My <laughs> can, you, can you imagine that? I, I don't know. That, it, uh, this whole story is fascinating. But guess what? God replies to her by giving her a piece of the puzzle. And he not only tells her how it will happen, but that her cousin Elizabeth has also been given a miracle. Her cousin Elizabeth, the same Elizabeth who she must know is barren and can't have children. She's stricken with years, meaning she's older and more mature in age than Mary. There is encouragement there. There is faith rising there. You can see bravery, courage, that it's starting to build up now. And then finally, we end the part of the story with her fascin- with her with her last re- reply. Again, it's verbal, a reply that leaves the reader in awe, fascinated by the woman of God she is. After everything the angel just says, she says, "Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to my to your word." And that's really hard for me to accept sometimes when. When we speak those words, because I have spoken those words in moments that I didn't really know if I could trust the Lord. So So let's recap. She pauses and listens, okay? She replies with the, the most honest and most humble attitude. And she is encouraged and shows great faith and obedience by replying to God and surrender. And how amazing that we get to see that and practice that ourselves. So, we all, have a different, uh, we all have a direction we think we're going to go, but what do we do when life doesn't always go according to what your plans are and God doesn't always do what he, we think he should? Isaiah 55.8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. Proverbs 16.9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. We can have all the plans in the world, but the Lord is going to direct us. He's going to tell us, go left, go right, go straight. And all he asks is for us to listen. He says, listen to me, I'm going to give you the direction of your life. The Lord is the author and minister of our faith, but how do we respond to what the Lord is doing in our lives? How are we going to respond to the interruption? How are we going to respond when we don't have a choice? We're not given the luxury of a choice. How are we going to respond? than when he allows something in our lives that we can plan for. Mary is a great example for us today. And now, this interruption in Mary's life was extraordinary, and it was very divine. And it changed the course of her life and equipped her for her greater calling. So, I, was, I, I stumbled on this quote, and I thought it was so good, because I, you may have heard it, I uh, just I'd never heard it before. And it says, faith is like Wi-Fi. It's invisible, but it has the power to connect you to what you need.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and faith is that powerful We're all connected in the world Because of Wi-Fi
1: <laughs> like,
0: You know we when we, have, when we take a step in faith God meets us with his tender care And here we see Mary Takes a step out of faith First releasing control and then physically moving And the next movement we see Is she didn't have a cell phone to text So she sets off 80, on an 80 mile trip To go see her her cousin Elizabeth in Judea. That's what she did. She's like, I believe in the Lord. I'm gonna go, and she went. And here we are, another recorded interaction an encounter with Mary and Elizabeth. So soon after Mary and Elizabeth, um, or sorry, soon after Mary's encounter with the angel, we we you know we see her traveling. We see her traveling to to Judea, and one can view. It, as a physical step, I'm choosing to view it as a step in faith um, to believing what the angel spoke in her life. Uh, This is the first of her pregnant travels uh, with Jesus. uh, Mary knows Elizabeth because the angel told her is six months pregnant at this time. and And she's going with faith and believing. So once Mary arrives, she greets Elizabeth first. This greeting isn't recorded in scripture. But again, we're looking for responses. Whatever Mary said to Elizabeth was enough for Elizabeth to be filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by him. What a greeting. A, for me to go to you and say all my word," I don't know what I would say, but you know, so much so that you would be, in, you would be filled with the Holy Ghost.
1: Amazing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah like so, and empowered, you know, that is so amazing that her words were that influential, that were used by God. So not only is Mary filled with faith, but she most likely is rejoicing of what she's seeing. So she speaks, and she's rejoicing. She sees a six month old Elizabeth, eh, pregnant Elizabeth, she's not six months old, but she's pregnant. (laughs) I mean, that would probably be like, oh my goodness, a baby. Pregnant woman. Um, so, you know, and she just, she, Mayor, um, I lost my thought. <laughs> Heart reading, I obviously lost my thought with that. You she read, killed, that. She Thank you. So, here we are, and, you know, she's filled with the Holy Ghost, and, and, the, and we see the connection with the Lord when she receives it. We see that the baby has leaked um, in her womb. And we're want to mention that regardless of our circumstances situations trials we're facing but that when we're led by the holy ghost we can minister to the body of christ um uh, we and and mary although she's still probably struggling with her belief and struggling with her faith but struggling in the lord with all of that not out probably not as outwardly but just in her thoughts she was still able to give such a and God uh, can still use you in those moments. So let's read uh, Elizabeth's response. And if nobody wants to read, I don't mind
1: reading. Read? <laughs> I'll read again. Sure. Okay. And she exclaimed loudly Blessed, worthy to be praised, are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed, spiritually fortunate, and favored by God is she who believed and confidently trusted that there would be a fulfillment of the things that were spoken to her by the angel sent from the Lord.
0: So here we know Elizabeth knows. Elizabeth knows that Mary is pregnant. She says, blessed, you are the mother of the Savior. What an honor, what an opportunity to be favored of the Lord. And, you know, it's not the kind of favor we think, though. It's not the favor that comes with, attached with riches, monetary riches, with things that are going to bring you into some kind of, uh, oh, like you're going to be a queen or a king or anything like that. It's, it's, it's non-physical, and it's unseen, and it's a value that we should strive for daily. So Mary's verbal response is written clearly, and it's the prayer. It, I really like this response. It's this prayerful song she sings to the Lord, perhaps, because she's overwhelmed with gratitude overwhelmed with the astounding with the just amazing honor that she has been fortunate to receive because Elizabeth didn't know she she did not know she was pregnant it's not recorded whether Mary told her or not but I don't see Mary as being self-centered and saying hey I'm pregnant you know? I, I see her as just rejoicing with Elizabeth you know and here we see in, uh, in the following verses, it's the longest of her responses, of verbal responses. And um, I'll read this one. And it also gives us another piece to the puzzle. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud thoughts of their hearts. And he has brought down the mighty from their thrones, and exalted those of humble estate. And he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. So how amazing are these words when being extolled or magnified and when we begin to extol or magnify the Lord with such great uh, gratitude, love, just thankfulness and joy. And he, through our own proclamation of our faith, gives us a glimpse of our own future. I really feel God used her in this moment and she did a prophetic response, a prophetic song. You know, we read, um, I feel like Mary uh, had a moment just like David, where David, you see prophetic psalms of David, where he's prophesying the future. And here we, if we read one in Psalms ten, uh, one, two, blah, Psalms 110, um, scholars believe this psalm was written after the promise uh, Nathan gave David about one of his sons. And we know, spoiler alert, it's Solomon. So about building the temple of the Lord, and it says, "The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool." The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook of the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. David is filled with gratitude. And in that prayer of thanksgiving, he, we see that God has given him insight into what will come. God wants a thankful heart. He, a heart that gives a gives Him just genuine praise. A person who magnifies, who is who magnifies Him regardless of the situation they're facing. And up to this point, we've seen a young woman receive a promise from the Lord that through that very same promise, her faith is tested. She has remained constant in her walk with God and has shown her trust. By taking action and believing and accepting what has been entrusted in her, she chooses to give the utmost praise and thanksgiving song to God and we see through that God speaks into her lives. And that is probably my most favorite response of all because I can totally relate to that. Oh. And how and I've had God speak to me through my own prayers and responses. And if you've never had that kind of encounter with God, I urge you, I, I challenge you to just start praising him. And when you go into that deep prophetic psalm, you will start, you will be changed. God has completely changed me in my whole walk uh, with him in my prayer life and just in a, in a deeper level, an intimate, a more intimate level with him. So for lack of time, I'm going to keep going because <laughs> I could keep talking about it. So um scripture tells us she stayed uh with Elizabeth for three months. Perhaps she stayed through the birth of John the Baptist, it's not clear um in scripture, but it wouldn't surprise, at least it wouldn't surprise me if if that did if that did occur because it was Jewish custom for all your family to come and see you and help you birth and not all your family, but like the women in your family
1: <laughs> to, her, to
0: help to help birth that baby out. You know? <laughs> so that was common. So I wouldn't me! she was there for that, which would have been pretty cool if it was recorded. But it's not, so take it at your own will. And then we're going to move farther into Scripture. We're going to go, we're going to stay in Luke, not further into Scripture, but further into her journey. And we're going to go, um, stay in Luke and go and look at the scene of where Mary and Joseph are going to Bethlehem for the census. We don't know why there was a census called. I looked and I tried to look it up. I'm not that smart, though. I may have missed something. But I didn't see uh, there to be a reason why there was a census in Bethlehem. Like, why there was a census called. It wasn't a natural thing in history for a census to be called at that time. So I thought that was neat. Take it as you will. Um, Moving on. Where are you, Philip Ross? Uh, Go to Luke. The seven, uh, verse 7. I think one one before that. Uh, we don't have it. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, yes. So in this, we're there, they're with the census, and <clears throat> we see that she is very pregnant now and about to have this baby, and there's no place to go. So this one's our favorite one, right? We like to talk about it during the Christmas time. And it says uh, in verse 15, so here we are. She's she's already birthed the baby. The birth, of the baby's in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men." Um, and here we are and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven the shepherds said one to another let us now go even unto bethlehem and see this thing which has which has come to pass and the lord hath made known unto us and came and they came with haste and found mary and joseph and the babe lying in the manger and when they had seen it so this is the shepherds they made known abroad the saying which was told them told to them concerning this child and all they heard, and all that heard, it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So in those verses, the only thing, the only thing we're really given that Mary and Joseph are witnessing are the following. The shepherds come to visit them. They find them and visit them. Shepherds telling them about their encounter with the angel and what the angel and the host spoke, you know, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. So after seeing these things, we read Mary's nonverbal response. Again, she didn't speak anything. And she, she kept these things and pondered them in her heart. What does that say to you? That to me, what it speaks to me is that she's observant. Um... And perhaps she's become observant. I don't know. I don't know if it's something that she's been growing into. Um, she is meditating. She's been, she sees these. She's she's not quick to react. Um, she's just meditating, taking it all in and, and keeping it all in. And Mary was. And another thing, it just shows me Mary was open and drawn to the things of God. She had faith, she had found favor from the Lord, and here we are at the birth of her firstborn son. You know, we ponder over things we don't quite understand, not over things we know. So when we don't really understand something, we think about it as a mother, right? Mm-hmm. But when, I don't have my shoes tied, but we don't think about tying our shoe. I don't. Because we already know it. So when we ponder, we actually are thinking about the things that we really don't understand. And this is her, because she doesn't understand what's going on. But she's here, she's living it, and she's going through with it. There, uh, she just had this extraordinary um, faith. There is no doubt. Um, but when we don't quite understand what is going on with the promise we have been given, we can still believe that the Lord isn't going to let us down. I don't believe it to be insincere at all when we're not sure what God is going to do, and we struggle with it. But we struggle. We must struggle in faith. We don't struggle just a struggle. We must struggle in faith. Struggle with the Lord. We must bring it back to God because He is the one who can take that and turn it back around. Because relinquishing control is when we walk by faith and not by sight. And um, One thing I'm learning about in the season of life I'm at is that sometimes I find myself at my heaviest weight. The burden that I'm carrying when i just start missing ezra and i begin thinking and pondering about the what could have been you know and and end up in my own puddle of emotions it's there when i realize i have gone i've come to realize and been seeing in my own self that i'm trying to take control of a situation that has no control I have my baby so clenched, clenched so tightly in longing for him that I've forgotten my own promise. You know, so I gently give it back to God into His loving hands and tender care. And you know, our children are His first. Our children, our families, our everything is His. And it's something that comes in waves for me, and maybe I'll, and maybe one day I'll overcome it. Um, it's part of who I am and who I'm learning and growing to be. And, you know, I, it's where God is showing and molding me into a person I wouldn't have been on my own. Because I would not have accepted that. So, moving into Jesus' birth, afterwards, we see eight days are, have come to pass because of Jewish custom. And in these eight days heard parent, his parents travel to Jerusalem to present him in their offering of two pigeons to the temple in obedience to the law of Moses. It's uh, at this temple that they run into Simeon, a Jewish elder. The Holy Ghost has come to, to Simeon and revealed that, would not, uh, that he would not see death until he saw the Lord Christ. He was guided to the temple that day by the Holy Ghost. And after he sees Jesus, this is what he says. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And this war will pierce through his, through your own soul also, so that thoughts, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Here, Mary is given another piece of the puzzle, another glimpse into God's plan for this promise she re- she, she had just received ten months prior, just ten months. Can you imagine someone? That's, like, jam-packed. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and both his parents were marveled. They were filled with amazement. Have you ever been amazed by God? You can be amazed, but I mean by God. <laughs> Has God ever left you just so speechless? Completely astounding. So, back in, I think, it, I wrote May 2018. It could have been a different, a different time, but... Back in 2018, uh, we went through a situation in our family where um, Philip actually had lost his job. And through that situation, through that circumstance, um, there went an income. We're a double-salary family. And that job was no longer there. And his was the higher of the two. So, I mean, we, we weren't sure what was going to happen. And I honestly wasn't sure how I was going to make it out of that. And, you know, one of the things uh, we, we follow, we we follow Dave Ramsey. <laughs> wow. And um, we had just finished paying the student loans. We had just finished doing all this. And we had, I was so excited because we were debt-free. And we were about to start saving and crushing it. <laughs> we were about to put it into our house. You know, I had all these plans, these things. And, you know, that week, it was just, uh, that day came by very surprise, just by surprise. Uh, just these God just does these things to interrupt our lives, and, you know, how are we going to respond? And Jessica does not respond very well. But um, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. And uh, so, anyway, long story short, I I ended up at work working the budget. I cut Netflix, cut, like, uh, what did I say? Net, uh, dining? No more eating out. We're cutting it. Daycare, we're cutting it. Daddy daycare at the Melder home,
1: 9 You know,
0: that is what we were doing. And uh, that was me in my control. That was me in my control of the situation. What can I handle? Oh, well, I am the budget lady of our home. We're cutting this. We're eating ramen. We're doing this and this and this. And so be it. So here we are. And, I, and to... Top it off. I'm taking his car to work because it's cheaper on gas.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I took his car to work. I parked it at his safe farm in the garage, and I go get. I go to my desk. I do all the budget, and I come out, and there's a dent in my car. <laughs> I was hard. <laughs> Lord! know, <laughs> <Lord, laughs> my mentality was, what else could go wrong? I was so flustered and frustrated, and I took a picture. I snapped it at Philip. I said, have you seen this? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, hmm. And so I walk to the front, I, I, you know, I don't even take a moment, I don't even take a breath, I'm just so frustrated, and I get in my car, and I look up, and there's a little bitty piece of paper, and i was like, what is that? <laughs> and I look, and there's this lovely little note that says, I'm so sorry. I Here's <laughs> your car. Here's my insurance information. Here's my number. Please reach out to me. I am so sorry. You could tell she was sorry. She wrote it like four times.
1: <laughs> and I was just I
0: was like, oh, my Lord, what are we going to do? And uh, I felt bad. Immediately, I just felt really bad. I was like, Lord, you have control of the situation. I knew right then that the Lord had it. And we filed the claim. I talked to the lady. Everything happened. And would you know that that car ended up not being told, I think it should have because it was a 2006, <laughs> and they paid for the bump. They paid for that bumper. We could still drive it, but that that bumper was not worth the, the money they sent me. It was not worth at all. Instead, and and we got an offer to buy. Somebody wanted to buy our car on top of it, with a dent on the bumper. <laughs> And I was just like, Lord, where is all these funds coming from? So not only did we sell the car, but we had the insurance money of the car, and we didn't even need to replace it. So we were able to live off of that and be okay. And I say all of that because God uses unconventional methods to bless us. I would have never, I would have never thought an insurance claim would bless me.
1: <laughs> like you know what I'm saying?
0: Like why? Why God uses? Moments that that would not have been the way I would have planned. I would have never planned that. But God is so good, and He knows our need, and He is going to fill it. And I one of the things that I meant I meant to mention is that while I was doing the budget in faith, I kept my tithes the same. I kept my tithes. I said I don't know how we're going to do it, Lord, but I want to keep my tithes the same. I know You're going to match this, and here we are. How many years later, he surpassed that. We we've surpassed the matching. We are just reaping his blessings at this point, I feel. So moving into um, another another circumstance where I'm trying to get us out of here because I have a lot of notes. <laughs> 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 moving into another encounter, we're going to go to um, now 12 years later. Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus is 12 years old. We're going to go to Passover feast. We're going to go see him at the temple. We're going to go see what happens. And um, here we read, and when his parents, so we know the story, right? This is why I'm just glancing over them, because I know you know them. And we see that his parents, when they saw him, they were astonished, because he was lost. They hadn't found him for three days. I would have been freaking out. (laughs) And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in distress. And he said to them, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured all, treasured all these things in her heart. You know, as a parent, or just as a person in general, when you lose something, loss is hard. Any kind of loss, a physical loss, a loss of money, a loss of whatever, it's hard. And it's easy to relate when you're a parent because you see your child and you're like, where did he go? I just saw him. Why did he escape from me? Like, And for three days, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. To her, those three days must have had her emotions all out of sorts as she felt lost. She felt lost, lost. Shame, probably. She probably felt shame that she lost her child. And remorse. Remorse because she lost her child. Oh my goodness. To her, it was as if she had forgotten who her son was to become. And quickly reminded of that again. So not only is she feeling these feelings, but her son says, I'm at my father's house. Why are you looking for me? Because she says, your father and I have been looking for you. But he quickly changes the the situation. He's 12 years old. He's coming of age. He is about to go into manhood in the Jewish culture, you know, just like women, man. And he is like, I'm here to do what I'm called to do. I'm here to fulfill the mission of my father. And can you imagine, going 12 years, ordinary life, going back to ordinary, 10 months of, uh, like, supernatural and then kind of ordinary. Well, I mean, there's the, when the, when, the um, when the wise men came. But there was no, re- there was nothing in that account of what she, she saw or responded. So, like, here we are. Like, with her, those ten years of ordinary life, motherhood, familyhood, they quickly ceased as she was corrected by her own son, Jesus, about who his father was. He wasn't doing this of spite. I know that. It doesn't feel that way. He was simply obeying what he has called, he was called to do. Jesus carried the burden of carrying out God's will, God's perfect plan, and Mary meditates. She is, she is strong on that meditation. She treasures all these things and a similar response, it's a similar response to the birth, to the birth of her son. If she ponders all these things. She thinks through them because she doesn't understand. She's not given that understanding just yet. And then we're going to skip forward another about 18 years, approximately 18 years, and we're going to be taken to the wedding at Cana. This is probably my second most favorite response.
1: Okay.
0: This time, we're going to go to the book of John, the new book. Um, Mary, Jesus, and his disciples were invited to the wedding in Galilee. So let's see what Mary does. When the wine went out, the, ma- the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Mary was a student observant. I think after this long, we're looking like 30 years now, she's got a, God's God's grown. She's grown. You know, she's grown in wisdom. She's grown in her actions. She's matured. And she's become very, very observant at this. She saw what was going on behind the scenes at the wedding of Cana and that the wine had run out. A severe embarrassment to any host in the Middle Eastern family and anyone today. When my my mother in law was like, buy plenty of food, we don't want to run out. We all, because it would be an embarrassment if you go hungry. I mean, we would take you to McDonald's. (laughs) It is an embarrassment. She also knew what her son was capable of. I think at this point she had accepted it, and she had fully accepted it, and she pushed him. She, in her tactful, oh, sorry, she approached him with a suggestion, nudging him into action. Jesus complied, though not without mildly objecting. Her tactful request was a subtle and diplomatic way of starting him in his ministry. Having made the suggestion to step back, letting him take over and follow up on her words in his own way, this he did, and it was his first miracle, a momentous, a monumentous moment, uh, event. Uh, just a, this is this is now the true turning point, like of where Jesus, you know, after this it was miracle after miracle, um, and it happened very quickly. And Mary knew when to speak. And then to be quiet. This was. This also gives us a glimpse, just a little glimpse of what their relationship was like, too—a married, a mother, and a son relationship. So, moving into the the next uh, account is um, the crucifixion, and there's no. I, I'm putting this in because I think it's worth mentioning. There's no response of Mary in this in this part of um, scriptures, there's nothing where she is verbally mm-hmm. saying anything, or where she, you, we see she interacts in some way, but I don't think it needs to be in there to know, you know, and we see, um, we see what John writes, uh, about Jesus being delivered uh, to the to the soldiers to be crucified. To um, we see the crucifixion, his death, the piercing of his side, and his burial. So we read, um, we read that when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier. Also his tunic, but the tunic was seamless woven in one in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see who it, whose it shall be. This was, so, this was to fulfill the scripture, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother were uh, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he beloved standing nearby, he said uh, to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her, t- took her to his own home. Mary saw her son tortured and killed. She was there. We know this isn't the real end. But to Mary, it was. It was. She carried this promise with her for 33 years. Jesus had been her baby. The boy she raised, the young man she was proud of, she had a relationship with him. She witnessed firsthand how the soldiers tormented him brutally. It's not written, but one can guess that many tears were shed as she followed this event. Losing a child is already a hard experience. Um, watching your child give its last breath is even harder. Uh, her nonverbal response—a response that wasn't recorded, because it wasn't about Mary. It's not. It was. Uh, it was all just about Jesus. But that was still. Um, there was still a moment where she probably grieved. All those that had followed Jesus in his life, before his life, his ministry, mourned to the loss of their friend, the Messiah. But Jesus died, but Jesus we know, spoiler alert, Jesus dies for our sins. (laughs) (laughs) And we know this isn't the end of the story. We know that, but they don't know that in the moment that it's happening. So, you know, what, what was prophesied didn't finish here. And those who are followers of Christ will experience this sort of loss in life, something earlier in years than others, some earlier in years than other. Death has a way of making one feel as if it is the end, when only it's the beginning. Um, as believers, we cannot fear death. I used to fear death. I remember what that felt like. And I remember the day that Jesus baptized me in, in, in his precious name, or that I was baptized in his precious name, and that fear left me for good. The closing of the chapter to this world is to rejoice over, especially if lived in obedience to his word. Something we can relate to is that God's promise can outline, can outlive our existence on this earth. I think that's wonderful. They are never incomplete. He will always fulfill it. You may not be here to see it, but it will come to pass. And I believe that. And we see that we see that here in the Word, generations after generations waiting for the Messiah. God sent Himself in flesh and lived amongst the Jews to fulfill His promise. Mm-hmm. We are fortunate enough mm-hmm. to read it, uh, read about it today. So after the death of Jesus, we read that Mary goes on to live with His most trusted friend John, and we know the story is not over. And now we're going to go to Acts, and this is the last recorded. We see a reaction but not just of her but of many after jesus resurrected from the grave and showed himself to his disciples we see in the book of acts that he ascends to heaven. after the ascension the disciples come back to jerusalem and we see mary joins them in the upper room how amazing that she's there then they return to jerusalem from the mount called olivet which is near jerusalem a sabbath day journey away and when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simeon the zealot, right, and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were, devoted in, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the woman, the woman, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers." She was so devout to prayer during this time, along with the others, that we read in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from a, a heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared uh, to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And as special as she was, she received the exact same Holy Ghost when she was in the upper room and had her sins remitted the exact same way as we do. And in the name of her son, what a way, what a way to see the completion. She saw the complete promise from beginning to end. what? How beautiful of the Lord to have picked her and to have walked the walk that she walked and to see it to its full completion. What a privilege. God did not forsake her and included her all the way to the end. So what I take away, how I want to wrap this up, is to review how we can respond today, How uh, ways we can put what we've learned about Mary by incorporating them into our own responses to everyday life and even to our own godly assignments and callings. And I wrote down a few. I'm sure there are many that I've missed that you've probably observed more than I have. I have dug into this and I have been blessed. I have been so encouraged in my own walk. So we can respond with faith and obedience. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says, For we walk by faith, and not by sight. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 says, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. We can respond by listening instead of reacting. I need this one. James, (laughs) chapter 1, verse 19 through 20. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, Slow to anger. For the anger of the man does not produce the righteousness of God. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 13 says, If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. We can respond with an honest and humble attitude. James chapter 4 verse 10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. We can respond with thankfulness and praise. Psalm 69, 30, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Psalm 95, verse 2 says, let us come into the presence with thanksgiving. Sorry, into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. We can respond by submitting ourselves, our lives to God. James chapter 4, verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the, uh, the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And then finally, we can respond by living a life of prayer and meditating on the things of God. Psalm 77:12 says, I will ponder all of your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Psalm 145, 3 says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. Proverbs 4:26 says, Ponder the path of your feet then all your ways will be sure no matter what life throws us at in the mundane everyday routine life there are opportunities god gives us to practice each of these types of responses god is the author and finisher of our lives he knew the beginning and he knows the end he plans for us his plan for us is far greater than anything we could ever do in our daily for ourselves so today i encourage you and challenge you To make an effort to practice these and and to be okay with a with not um be okay with 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 the mistakes be okay with um and i say that i hope i can say this clearly it's okay to make mistakes but it's not okay to learn from them you should you know when you when you when you walk into god when you walk with god and you feel like you have failed him you haven't that's the enemy line to you and that is what, what you want is to is to go straight to the lord repent and start over he is so good with us he knew the, um, he his plan for us is far greater um, than anything we could ever do for ourselves so when you do do things that you feel like you've succeeded in and you responded well, celebrate them. Celebrate your win. Celebrate that you did great on that. And then what you start doing, I've read before, you start creating these these pathways in your brain, and you'll start doing that more often and more often than the other. And then you're gonna you're gonna start noticing a different kind of life. Your people are gonna notice there's something different about you. And God is so full of grace and mercy because once we've committed to this covenant pact in baptism, we've committed to God that we are going to reach our children, our families, our communities. We accepted the challenge, and we need to do everything in our power to reflect God's holy image. And that's what I have for you today with Mary, the mother of Jesus. Um, We can end in prayer because I feel the need to pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for what you've shown me. I thank you for how you've spoken to me through this lesson, and I pray that that I I have been your servant in this, and I pray that you continue to guide each and one of uh, our lives and our responses to those. To those interruptions of our lives lord that only you know why they take place and we can give that back to you because we can't carry this that these burdens on our own and we can cast them over to you every day every hour every minute lord i thank you that these precious people are here that i, I pray blessings over them as they continue to to walk in, in your path and i pray that we are encouraging to one another and we lift each other up with our words and our songs and our, and, our, and our spiritual walk with you. Lord, thank you so much for everything you've done in our lives. And I thank you for this church and the beautiful people.